Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 64 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we have an awesome guest, Leanne Vogel of Healthful Pursuit website and author of The Keto Diet. Leanne and I met at KetoCon in Austin on a podcast panel, and her philosophies and approach to ketosis are so right on, and she provides structure, science, and most importantly, flexibility for sustained results. So I was truly shocked when I was uh, vending after lecturing and I heard someone speaking about how carbs could be positive on stage at KetoCon. (laughs) And I felt super excited that she was stepping out there to do so. As you guys know, I am a big fan of ketosis and using fat as fuel, as is Leanne with her authoring The Keto Diet, right? Um, But one of the coolest things about this is that she includes fat-fueled profiles that may encourage carb cycling for better results for those that are having stagnation or negative influences of ketosis, whether they are hormonal, thyroid, adrenal, you name it. Are you confused? Potentially. (laughs) Hang tight and she will talk about all of these things and so much more today. Leanne Vogel is the founder of Healthful Pursuit, best-selling author of over 11 health programs, host of The Keto Diet podcast, author of the best-selling paper book, The Keto Diet, and the creator of Fat-Fueled Living, a holistic, paleo-friendly approach to ketogenic, high-fat diet. She has been in the field of nutrition since receiving her holistic nutrition certification in 2007, and Leanne shares free videos, podcasts, recipes, and keto-friendly resources on her blog, healthfulpursuit.com. So thank you, Leanne, for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, we are pumped. And Leanne, as I said to you guys in the intro, met at KetoCon and um, really hit it off on our podcast panel. And I did a guest episode on her Keto Diet podcast, and I was so excited to have her on here. And we have so many questions for you from listeners. So uh, we're, we're pumped to have you on here. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in and I'm so happy that we met. It was a really busy weekend, so it was really nice to like meet a grounded soul on the last (laughs) event to just like wrap things up nicely. Good, good, good. All all things good in the universe. Yeah. Awesome. So Lillian, we haven't met in person yet, but I'm definitely a podcast listener. Um, And I want to just jump things off by having you share your personal story with listeners that either don't know you and your work or know you, but they don't know your personal journey with keto. So tell us how you started. Yeah. Okay. So um, I studied holistic nutrition back in 2007. And at that point, I was a vegan. Um, I was also really, really into running, cycling, swimming. I was a triathlete. I did a lot of activities. Uh, I was also um, on hormonal birth control. And in school, I learned that hormonal birth control isn't so great for you. So I decided, you know, based on my health goals and where I wanted to be, I decided to go off hormonal birth control. Um, and that kind of started the rigmarole 
role and how I ended up getting into keto um, about six years later. Um, for about six years, I didn't have a period. I went off hormonal birth control. My period never came back. And all my doctors just said, I am. Um, well, do you want kids? And I said, no, never. And they're like, well, what's the big deal? And so as a 20-something, you're just like, okay, no period. This is awesome. Right. Um, but when I was training for a race where I needed to actually bulk up a lot of muscle very quickly, um, my I was going through the program and my trainer was like, what's going on? Why aren't you building muscle? When was your last period? And I'm counting on my fingers. I'm like, six and a half years? <laughs> She's like, that's not a good thing. Um, so I went to a bunch of specialists. We drove all over Western Canada. I'm Canadian, trying to find a specialist that would help. I ended up finding an endocrinologist that would at least help me. This was the first doctor that said, I will help you. But his help was putting me on hormone replacement therapy. Uh, so I went on the patch. I started taking pills. Um, I was on an est was it estrogen patch and progesterone pills. I ended up getting a period for about two months. Uh, it then went away, and I gained about 20 pounds of hormone weight gain in a very short period of time. So here I am, not being able to build muscle. Uh, my training is suffering. Uh, now I'm heavier, and I'm not feeling well, and I started having allergic reactions to the prescriptions that he was giving me. Um, so then I went to a naturopathic doctor. She recommended a low-carb diet. I said, are you nuts, low-carb? <laughs> I'm an athlete. I can't go low-carb. Um, and it just so happened that one of my girlfriends had just started eating keto, and I saw her picture on Instagram and thought, what's a keto? What is this hashtag keto thing? I clicked on that hashtag and my life will never be the same. Wow. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, what are these people doing to their bodies? All they're eating is like cheese and bacon. And they're saying that this is healthy. I don't understand. So I did a bunch of research and decided this vegan, she's going to eat bacon and mayonnaise for 30 <laughs> days. And that was really my introduction to keto. And after those 30 days... I just, I couldn't go back. And now it's been three and a half years and I'm crushing life. I got my period back after about a year and a half of eating keto. I'm off ADHD meds. My life is just completely different. I don't even remember how much I struggled when I was in those periods and how far I've come. It's just incredible to see the difference. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. And and you're speaking to, you know, now there's three of us on here that are all recovering vegans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you know right. I, I love, yeah. And I think today we'll talk a lot about overriding the signals of your body, you know, where I, I often say dogma creates disconnect. And I think that that can happen in any diet. So I think that, you know, we'll talk about, let's go in your transition of, so how long when you started keto, what were the three greatest, a couple, you don't, we don't have to number them, but a couple of the greatest wins. So you said you got your cycle back, you had weight loss, um, and was there any other, uh, oh, and you said some mental clarity? Yeah, I was able to go off my ADHD medications. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 11, uh -huh. um, and I was on three different prescriptions until I turned about 21, and then I whittled it down to one. Um, and then I was able to, like, there was a new, I can't even remember what it was called, but there was a new prescription. It was out and it kind of merged all my three together. So I would just take, um, that every day and I was able to go off that okay. forever. Wow. And that was awesome. such a big deal. I, and if anyone has ever taken ADD or ADHD meds, they don't make you right in the head. Like it's just, sure. it's really frustrating to take them and 
being able to live a life without those and be able to think on my own is just such a freeing feeling. That's amazing. So let's talk about in your journey from, you know, keto being this turnkey solution to when your body then started having other symptoms of imbalance and what you did about it then. When I was eating keto, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You bet. So like I said, those first 30 days was like, Um, sort of the honeymoon phase of everything's going great. I love my life. I'm losing weight. Life is good. Um, And then from the end of month one to month about six, I was losing a lot of weight. I had lost all the weight about month two and a half. Um, I had gone down the 20 pounds. Then I decided that, you know, what's another 10 pounds? Let's just try to get there. And so it became this game with myself of how low I could get my weight. And it was really fueled by the conversations I was having with friends and family when everyone was saying, Oh, my gosh, you look so good. What are you doing? Um, And I just kept pushing. And looking back, I was forcing myself to intermittent fast, which I'm sure we'll talk about the issues around that. Um, I was you know, not eating when I should have been eating, I I would be hungry. But I thought because I was fasting, I should be hungry. And I would just push through it. I started craving a lot of carbohydrates, like I would watch people eat and just fantasize about the food and just watch them and become completely obsessed. I counted calories so much that I would start to have panic attacks. When I went over my calorie allotment or carbohydrate allotment, I remember actually physically freaking out. I had to run to the bathroom. We were at a restaurant and I thought that I had ordered a certain amount of broccoli and more broccoli came and I ate that broccoli. And then I started panicking because I ate too much broccoli and it (laughs) put me over my carbs. Um, just little things like that, more mental stuff. Mm -hmm. And then physical things. Like I started getting pins and needles in all my extremities to the point where I couldn't practice yoga anymore because my left leg would fall asleep like Mm. indefinitely. Um, I was supplementing with electrolytes. I was doing everything quote unquote right, but really I was starving myself and sure. using the diet as an, as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after those six months, um, I had a light bulb moment of like, wait a minute, wait, I, I didn't do this to lose weight. I did this to get my period back. And then after, after that kind of realization, I kind of shifted things to say, okay, I'm not going to force myself to fast. I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. So if I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to make something. I'm going to eat. Um, and then the next piece was having carbs when I felt like carbs. Like I had avoided fruit completely. I wasn't even having, um, I would measure out my lemon juice because I didn't want to go over my carbohydrates. So then it became, okay, I'm going to have the lemon juice. I'm going to have kale and spinach and these things and not worry about it. And when I feel like a starchy carbohydrate, I'll have that too. And I'm sure we'll talk about carb ups and how that played a role. But after I did that, after nine months, I got my period back. So there were a couple of struggles. And I think the main thing was using the diet as an excuse to starve my body. (laughs) I love how you say that because I I think, you know, like I opened with that phrase of that dogma creating disconnect and on any end of the spectrum, even a quote unquote perfect diet can be disruptive to our body when we're not listening. And it sounds like they were like yells, you know, and and, and it's it's that dogma of, well, I'm, but I'm doing it. I'm doing keto right. And my body just needs to catch up or my body just needs to adjust. And um, yeah, I remember when I heard you 
talk at uh, KetoCon, I was like, oh my gosh, I had such a breakthrough because I've always had a two-phase approach to ketosis in my clinic. And there's always been one that's less than 30 grams and then one that's 30 to 75 grams as a phase two. And I've allowed people to cycle them. And I, I, that's where we'll kind of get into this transition. But I felt like I was cheating keto. Like, you know, I couldn't use the term keto <laughs> because it, it wasn't the, the dogma or the direct. So when you talked about carb ups and carb cycling, it was like this was validated. And I, I mean, as a medical practitioner, I should have known better. But the funny thing is, I think we go into this yes or no, on or off human mentality. And um, having that flexibility, I think, is amazing. I love that you do that for your whole community and beyond. Yeah, thanks so much. It, it, I can totally relate. I know that when I decided to start incorporating carbs into my ketogenic diet, I knew that people would not be okay with this. And it's unfortunate too, because there's a lot of big names in the keto industry now, especially, or even low carb, or even if you look at paleo or vegan, and it's sort of like, it's it's this way or nothing. And I think that that actually stops a lot of people from experiencing success. So I just kind of stepped out there like I've done in the past and been like, hey guys, wait a minute. Um, so I'm eating carbs every day, but I'm still registering ketones. What's up with that? Right, <laughs> to to right. kind of start that conversation. So it, I, I, I love being a rebel and I love breaking rules. And I think <laughs> when you're talking about dogma creating that disconnect, it's so true and something that I, I always love to kind of go through things and see where I can break rules and still adhere to certain things while also doing stuff completely different. And that's how I've um, structured my ketogenic journey. That's awesome. Awesome. We both think it's awesome. Um, right. So, and that can be so, so freeing to hear and, um, you know, so great for our listeners who have participated in our virtual keto program and are afraid to put a carrot in their pot roast or something like that. Um, so I think it's, it's so freeing to break away from some of that dogma. Um, so before we get into talking about carb ups, I want to um, talk a little bit about three key hormones that I know both you and Allie are all about. Um, so talking about insulin, cortisol, and leptin, and how keto influences all of these hormones. So I'll let you guys nerd out on this one if you want to. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Love nerding out on hormones. Okay, so... Insulin, first off, if people don't know, it's a hormone that's made by the pancreas and it regulates the metabolism of both fats and carbohydrates. So it'll maintain your blood sugar from getting too high or too low. And on a ketogenic diet, um, because we're not eating a lot of carbohydrates, our insulin is regulated. Uh, when insulin is out partying in the bloodstream, say you, I don't know, have an apple, your insulin is out trying to shuttle um stores or rather trying to shuttle glucose into your stores, uh, you cannot burn fat in that moment. So insulin helps us to store fat, but not burn it. It's a storage hormone. So insulin resistance is a condition um, in which cells throughout the body no longer respond to the normal actions of the hormone insulin. So this is a condition that I would say at least 80% of the ketogenic community comes to keto because they're like, I'm insulin resistant. Um, my blood sugar is probably too high. That's usually what I see is yeah. people with higher blood sugar and they're coming to keto and they're like, how do I resolve this? Um, and so that's really insulin. When insulin is out, partying in your bloodstream, you cannot burn <laughs> fat. That's that's the big And it's not the fun guy at the party. It's like the really obnoxious guy at the party. <laughs> yeah. 
Completely. Yeah. It's the guy at the party that you want to go away from in the corner of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Do you have anything to add to yeah, and I think it's right on. And I, I think, you know, connecting with these, I, I love the way that you explain things. They're, it's great. And um, connecting with insulin and I guess let's do leptin before we go to cortisol, because I think that it's just like anything where, and you'll connecting with leptin and carb cycling and over fasting, right? Where we tend to think in one way shape, at least definitely the kind of American model of like lower must be better. Um, but just like anything with leptin resistance, we can also lose leptin sensitivity and, and go too low in our leptin response in the body. Um, so let's talk about leptin and that response and how keto starts with leptin, but what can happen if we do too much fasting or too much restriction? Yeah, which is something I experienced and we'll chat about in a second. Okay, so leptin is also called the obesity hormone, starvation hormone, fat hormone. There's a bunch of, you know, other names for leptin. But I like to think of it as your satiation hormone on the opposite mm -hmm. side of ghrelin. And how I remember ghrelin is he's like the goblin that's just like, ma, ma, food, food. And leptin is like, no, girl, we got we got fuel. We're, we're good. Um, and on the flip side... Leptin will tell us when to eat um, or tell us that, you know, we have the fuel in our bodies. We don't need to worry about anything. I'm not hungry. Um, so caloric deprivation continues to lower our leptin levels and slows down our metabolism. Mm -hmm. So when I was eating keto for a really long time, forcing myself to fast, I think a lot of the reason why I started wanting to binge on food is because that leptin level was really imbalanced for me. Um, and what we'll talk about it a little bit, when you eat carbohydrates on a ketogenic diet, so you're fat fueled, um, your body's using ketones as energy. When you have carbs, your leptin is actually reset. And a lot of the times when people have been eating keto for a while, they start waking up every morning pretty hungry. And that's a huge sign to me. It's like, girl, you need a carb up. Right. You need to do a carb up tonight. It'll reset your leptin so the next day you won't have to be hungry in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really good indication that something might be off is if you're on a ketogenic diet and you wake up always hungry. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts too, Ali? Yeah, no, I think up. that's great. And just like, I, I, I love that because I thought the same thing. I always thought gremlin, ghrelin, that was how I remembered it in school. And yes. uh, <laughs> totally. And I used to think also back earlier when I was learning about pathophysiology that the more leptin the better on the other end of the spectrum but that typically indicates leptin resistance and so leptin has this sweet spot if you will where when I'm looking at a blood monitor um, and seeing mm. leptin values in the bloodstream too high that's an indicator often of leptin resistance and that's where fasting and keto can really help in the sensitivity of leptin use um, but then like you said there's that sweet spot where over restriction over time it's a survival mechanism with adiponectin and then leptin communicating and leptin starts to reduce and that's when yes the carb cycling helps with that reset and refill of the tank if you will said totally. like a champ yeah. you're so smart <laughs> oh, whatever <laughs> um, and then i i'll i'll cruise on cortisol because i know we want more from you um leanne about your story but cortisol can can kind of play an influence on both of these as far as insulin, you know, you connected it a lot, Leanne, with glucose and its its ability to bring 
sugar into the into the cells and when we have that resistance that that can drive more fat storage but generally speaking more insulin means more fat storage and insulin tells the body that there's fuel available there's fuel available you don't need to go into your fat stores as fuel we need to keep packing up more, pack up more. Um, and so it is, it's a body fat builder. Um, but cortisol, you know, even for those that have insulin resistance and they've been doing keto and they're not getting good clinical outcomes, you know, beyond looking at macros and beyond getting tighter, 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 I think a beautiful thing about your approach with these metabolic profiles is that it allows not only individualized structure, but it also takes the stress factor out because we know mm -hmm. that cortisol as a primary stress hormone, when you get so rigid and you're white knuckling your diet, uh, you know, that, that like your broccoli scenario, I mean, that's really at a point where I don't believe anyone can get beneficial outcomes because they're definitely in an imbalance of their HPA access. So the adrenals are off, the corticosteroids are on high, and there's so many different metabolic breaks that you're not going to get that symphony of expression regardless of how perfect your macro distribution is. Yes. And when you're ketogenic and you've been eating keto for a while and you have a stressful period, it's so interesting to watch your ketones just go away. Yep, yep, <laughs> and yep. that, that is cortisol doing yep. what it is naturally supposed to do. But um, we were renovating our house a couple of years ago and it was super stressful because we were way over budget. The guy just didn't show up, took all our money. It was totally stressful. Um, and yeah. Um, I was great one day eating all the same things and the next day it was like I could not get my ketones up no matter how hard I tried and that was the stress of the whole situation. So it's really um, good to stay mindful when you are eating keto if you go through a stressful period, whether that be your kids moving off to college or right. starting a new job, you may find that your ketones um, are affected by that. For sure. For sure. Or even even stress on the body, like an mm. infection or an injury or something Absolutely. like that too, would mm -hmm. be, yeah. you know, a time that cortisol is elevated and, and we can't get into keto. Um, so let's define now, Leanne, we've talked about it a couple of times. What is a carb up exactly? And how do you go about incorporating that? Yeah. So um, a carb up is a form of cyclical ketosis. And there's a lot of different ways to practice a cyclical ketogenic diet. Some of them that I don't practice because I tried and massively failed is you eat keto for a while, maybe two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then you have an all out carb day where you just eat the carbs morning, lunch, evening, whenever. Um, that never worked for me. I felt like it was an all-out binge fest. I never felt good after. There's other approaches where um, you have carbs before workouts or where you have carbs after workouts. Um, there's one where you you limit your protein intake to under 15 grams of carbo or under 15 grams of protein rather, and you just eat all of the carbs all day. Uh, my approach that I found worked best for my body, and when I was working through the carb up process with a lot of the people in our Healthful Pursuit community, the one that worked best for us was you eat keto all day and you have some carbs at dinner time. So whether that be a sweet potato, maybe you really like plantains, maybe you like apples on your salad, maybe you wanna grill up some peaches and put them on, I don't know, pork chops. So really what you're doing in this um, practice is you eat keto, breakfast, lunch, and then you add some carbs in your dinner, but you take out some of the fat. So mm -hmm. if you had a um, dinner of pork chops with greens, and maybe, oh, maybe you wrap the pork chops in bacon. Perhaps 
with your carb up meal, you take out that bacon and you maybe put in those grilled peaches instead. So you're kind of think of it as a teeter totter of taking out the fat, putting in the carbs. And depending on where your health status is, I find that, you know, for myself who was overcoming amenorrhea, the lack of period, when I started doing carb ups, I was doing them every single night. And my carb ups were quite small. I'd have like half an apple on a salad or a bowl of strawberries after dinner or uh, maybe a sweet potato with some cinnamon on it and a chicken breast, and that would be my dinner. Um, and when I got my period back, I found that I didn't need the carb ups as much. So then it was, you know, maybe every uh, every two, maybe two days a week, I was doing a carb up, which was maybe a little bit larger because I wasn't eating as many carbs. Um, and now, I mean, I think the last carb up I did was two and a half weeks ago, uh, and it becomes a lot easier for me to go longer periods of time without carbs. Whereas two years ago, I just couldn't do that because I was too hormonally damaged to go that long. Um, So it really gives you the variety and really it's, it was nice for me in that moment of getting that permission slip of like, wait a minute, I can eat keto. I can still feel great. My mind can be on point and I can also have carbs, uh, you know, out with friends or, when you're in social situations or when you're at home and you just feel like an apple. I'll never forget on the book tour um, back in April, um, one of the ladies sitting on the floor because we didn't have enough space for everybody, she said, I just I just want a Granny Smith apple. And I'm like, okay, just go have that apple. <laughs> it's not, not going to kill you. Um, so that's kind of like what carve-ups are and how to practice them. Awesome. And so for listeners to think about when to – how about pitfalls of carb ups? Like when do you hold off or reduce a carb up or, or when, what do you do to recalibrate when a carb up goes wrong? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So a lot of people think that carb ups are wrong when you just overdo the carbs and then you need to like take exogenous ketones or work out really well or like fast longer. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. I like to think of the ketogenic eating with carb ups, very similar to snakes and ladders. If you're familiar with that game, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of ladders that you go up and then maybe a couple of snakes where you go down. Like maybe you had a really epic carb up, you overdid it. There's, it's very rare that you find that one snake. Do you remember that snake at the very end and it took you all the way back to the beginning? (laughs) That snake does not exist in the keto snakes and ladders game. So it's very (laughs) rare that you'll go all the way to the beginning unless you go like a week eating carbs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. But if you accidentally just eat too many carbs, don't worry about it. When you wake up in the morning, like we said, with carb ups, they are going to reset your leptins. You may find that you're not hungry in the morning, which total win. So just go until you're hungry and then have a regular meal and get back to it. There are some people that perhaps shouldn't practice carb ups, and that will include perhaps people that have insulin resistance, like we chatted about, Mm -hmm. um, or maybe diabetes. Uh, Maybe they're really, really metabolically um, imbalanced and incorporating carbs at this point will just throw them off. Um, but where I find carb ups can be really helpful is if people have a blistered relationship with food and yeah. saying that you'll just never eat a carb again, just triggers a lot of things. It can be really helpful in that area. But if you overdo the carbs, just like life goes on and wake up the next day and go about your day, it'll be fine. 
<laughs> yeah, we, I love I love the real life perspective. We usually have people just go two weeks deeper back into keto and try a different technique. You know, like maybe if they did fruit, maybe they try a starchy vegetable or maybe yes. they try a different format. If they were eating out with friends, maybe they try it at home or vice versa. Maybe they try it out just so you kind of think back through your behavior chain of what went wrong. And it's not about wrong, like slap on the wrist because your meter read something wrong. It's about wrong because mm-hmm. you felt crummy after the carb up, not about, <laughs> again, kind of this report card perspective. Yeah. It's so great that you mentioned fruit versus starch because some people, and even depending on where you're at in your cycle, I find sometimes I do better with fruit for carb ups than I do with starches for carb ups. And it depends on people's hormones and what's going on. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean like maybe you even did grains when you should have stayed away from grains. So maybe sure. try a carb up where you do grain free or a carb up where you don't include dairy uh, and just play around with all the different variations. And so you mentioned in the beginning that you are able to incorporate the well, and, and like you said, it's it's fluctuating. So maybe one week you do a carb up once a week, maybe for three weeks you only do one carb up over those three week period of time. But you mm-hmm. mentioned that you tend to see um, yourself in ketosis in the morning. Are are you still ongoing monitoring, and how regular are you with that? And what do you recommend to people in the community? Okay, loaded question. Sorry. Um. <laughs> No, that's fine. Okay. So I don't currently test my ketones. I stopped doing it probably about a year ago, right around the time I was finishing writing my book because it was stressing me out to like monitor (laughs) ketones, just everything. Uh, So I don't monitor them anymore. I will maybe once a month just for fun with my husband who also eats keto and we like have this little game of whose numbers can be higher and he always wins because (laughs) it's just a guy and easier to do everything. Um, but if I were to test every day, um, I would probably do a breath monitor, but I guess I'll just kind of go through testing really quickly. If you're first starting off on keto, I really, 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 really advise you not to test your ketones. And the reason for that is, is it usually is quite distracting for people. And I just find that those first 30 days, you're learning a lot. You're probably making a couple mistakes because you're just not sure what a carb is or what a fat is or how to do certain things. Or perhaps you like way overdid protein or didn't eat enough. So I would just take the measuring out of the equation. But what I found really helpful when I was first getting started is once I got acclimatized to what keto was and how my body kind of fit into it, I liked testing my blood. I found it to be the most accurate. But Mm -hmm. now people are saying that um, a highly attuned body to keto shouldn't dump the ketones in their blood either. So it's like, I don't even know if you feel great, then just keep doing that thing. Um, But you know, if I had a family that was eating keto, I think something like the level machine might be fun to have Mm -hmm. in in house. Uh, It's something that we had in our house for a while. And my husband and I really enjoyed using it. But on the flip side, it can be really costly, like any of these solutions are quite Um, you can test your urine but that won't tell you much and will probably just make you discouraged so um, when I was first starting up with carb ups I tested my ketones um, directly after the carb up in the morning so I would wait about 12 hours before I tested and my ketones would go down for sure but by um, that same night uh, so say I ate a carb up on Monday at 6 p.m. by Tuesday at 6 p.m. my numbers were the same before I started the carb up to that day so that was really cool to see that my ketones just jumped yeah. right back up in a 24-hour period. 
That's awesome. And I, I think so too. It's like, I often get that feedback where when I hear people aren't making ketones, yes, I like to look at their CRP for inflammation. Yes, I like them to work with adaptogens for stress. And it's a piece of information, but if they're not getting ketones and it's like, well, what, what else is going on? I'm, I, oh, I'm just not getting ketones in my meter. It's like, well, but, 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 but what else is going on again? <laughs> it's like, you know, why, yeah. why are we stamping such value on, I think that can get really overdone and that creates a lot of judgment and shame and, and, and that disconnect with the body again. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. And I love just, you know, how all this comes back to listening to your body and yes. not following, you know, one dogma or the other, or being so stringent about testing daily. Um, and, and really what I love about your work, Leanne, is that it really takes carbs off of this pedestal that some of us may have put them on and just kind of puts them out there. Um, so let's talk about some of the metabolic profiles. I know there's a few of them. So if you want to just go through kind of how you created these and, and what your thought process was in terms of coming up with different metabolic profiles. Yeah, you bet. So um, in my book, The Keto Diet, as well as in Fat Fueled, which is my online program um, for taking people through healing their body with keto, I introduce everyone to five different fat fueled profiles and who would do best with what type of profile. So the first one is classic keto. And this is a low carbohydrate, moderate protein, high fat approach. So this is like the keto that we all know and love. You just (laughs) eat keto forever and ever and ever. So this is really good for people that are maybe sedentary or their doctor has told them they need to do a ketogenic diet or um, people that have insulin issues. Um, Aerobic athletes do really well with this approach. So basically you're eating anywhere between 75 to 80% fat. Um, and the rest in carbohydrate, usually about 5% protein, anywhere from 15, um, to 20%. And then you have, um, pumped keto. And this is a new profile, uh, that I put together probably about a year ago. It's not one that I've really dabbled in because I don't do well with this. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of people tell me that they do well with this. So I'll explain it. Um, pumped keto is, Um, where you are lowering your fat to about 60% and you're increasing your protein to about 35%. Um, So you can see like in classic keto, we were eating a lot more fat. In pumped keto, we're actually eating quite a little bit of protein. And this is great for individuals who um, have blood sugar irregularities, might not do well on classic keto, like they just feel off and they've been eating it for quite some time. But eating actual carbohydrates, like having a sweet potato is just not something they can Uh, maybe mentally do right now or physically do um, by increasing the protein you're actually um, encouraging a little bit of gluconeogenesis so your body's actually creating glucose by having that protein but like indirectly so it's not like you're eating a sweet potato but you still might have a little bit more glucose which might make you feel just a little bit more better Um, in both of these uh, profiles you wouldn't have carb ups so you just eat your 60% fat uh, 35% protein, or you're like 80% fat um, profiles. But then in the last three profiles, there's full keto, adapted fat burner, and daily fat burner. So full keto is you eat low carb, high fat until you become ad- adapted. Um, so that can range anywhere between uh, two to six weeks, depending on the individual. Right. And then once you're fat adapted, you start eating those carb ups, usually about once a week ish, once or twice a week. 
Um, this can be great for people that don't have health imbalances, um, who are sedentary, who are social and are invited to lunches with their boss and there's carbs on the menu and they're like, shoot. So that gives you more variety. Adapted fat burner is where, again, you are eating uh, low carb, high fat for those two to six weeks to get adapted. And then you're incorporating carb ups two to three times a week. Um, and then with adapted or sorry, with daily fat burner, right from the get-go as soon as you start keto you're having carb ups every evening and i created this specifically because there are a lot of people that don't actually make it to the fat adaption stage either because um they've been eating a sad diet for the last sure. 30 years and the whole concept of lowering carbs forever and ever is just too much for them um, people that have adrenal dysfunction to the point where when they um, get to about day five of eating keto, the symptoms are so intense that they actually can't become fat adapted. It's just too much for their bodies. Another one um, is people with a lot of candida usually can't go through the fat adaption phase because they just have too many flare-ups. So um, that just kind of gives people uh, more variety. And I've tested these profiles with, oh gosh, over 7,000 people when we were doing the fat-fueled program um and it was really great to get people's feedback on change this do this this is what happened to me this is how much carbs i ate so it became a lot easier to pull it all together i love it i think it's so great and how often leanne do you say that people have to commit to a particular profile oh that's a good question um okay so classic keto you're kind of waiting for the fat adaption phase to right. take place so i would say give it like four weeks um, pumped keto, I would say you should know in about two weeks' time if it's working well for you. Once you're adapted, once you're fat adapted, you can really move between any of the profiles. Um, and, you know, maybe there's one week where you have one carb up a night, like you were saying, Allie, and then the next week maybe you have three carb ups a night. So you're really going from full keto to adapted fat burner back to full keto. But I would say um, definitely give it like four weeks on classic keto before you change and two weeks on pumped keto before you adjust. That would kind of be my okay estimation. Cool. And also you had within your profiles different ranges of carb cycling. I think it was as grams per kilogram or like grams of carbs per body weight pounds. Um, and so is this always recommended in the evening? Because I think the highest one was like one gram of carbs per pound of body weight I thought I saw. Yeah. Is that right? So yeah, you got it. Yep. That's the full keto um, profile. And the reason why it's so high. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you're going to have 150 grams of carbs in your carb up meal. So that's just at dinner, not spread out throughout the day, just at dinner. And the reason that's so high is because you're only having one carb up for an entire week. Okay. Whereas say the daily fat burner, because you're eating carbs every single night, you're going to do around a quarter gram of carbs for right. every one pound that you weigh. Um, because you're not going to be um, you're rather you're going to be eating carbs at, in every dinner meal. Um, so it just gives you more um, variety throughout the week. Okay. Okay. Got it. So it would, it still would not be distributed. Even if it's that higher amount, it would just be a pretty carb heavy meal. If we're talking about exactly okay. Okay. a really big sweet potato, like pound <laughs> that thing, maybe an apple. Um, it's quite, it's quite amazing though. When you start eating carb up, say every night, um, 
how little carbs you need to start feeling better. Like I'm talking half an apple, like it's really not a lot, but when you go a long period of time of like seven days without it and you have these carbs and you replenish your system, um, it's actually quite easy to eat those 150 grams of carbs. Sure. And and this is such a time where it'd be really important too to journal not only your food Mm -hmm. and not for neuroses, but to journal how you feel in your body during these times, you know, to really determine what works right beyond just looking at that weight on the scale, which we know can be a reflection of two weeks before with whooshing and different various metabolic changes. It's about, did you feel heavy? Was that comfortable? You know, did it create or evoke uh, emotional relationships and such? So I think that's important too. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Every number that I ever say out loud is really just like, meh, maybe start with it. And if you feel better (laughs) doing something else, do that. Who am I to say what to do with your body? (laughs) I love it. I love that. And I love that you said that, Allie, because that's, you know, with my clients, that's one of the first things that I ask them when they start keto or when they're a few weeks into it. I always ask how they feel before I ask if they're testing ketones or I put them on the BIA mm-hmm. machine to get a body composition scan, it's really about how they feel in their body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about um, people who have trouble getting into keto in the first place, um, when you would keep trying and kind of what are, what your clinical pearls are, Leanne, that you've seen from, you know, over 7,000 people trying this, um, this program. Um, and, and when do you kind of give keto a rest and, and know that it's not for you? Totally. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen people use that's been very helpful is getting an organic acid test. So if you've gone like three months, you're eating keto, nothing is working. You feel like hot garbage. (laughs) An organic acid test can help determine how you metabolize ketones and whether or not you do. Um, and this can change. I've seen people that, um, don't metabolize them well, like remove oxalates. And then three months later they get the test again and they're totally fine. So it's just a really great test. I feel like to kind of get a feel for how your body metabolizes keto ketones. Rather, there are people on this planet that the keto diet doesn't work for. Um, you know, my, I have friends that thrive on so many carbs and I just, (laughs) I can't even comprehend. They make like the biggest fruit bowls and they feel so good and their health is great. I'm like, good on you. Mm -hmm. Um, so if that type of person goes to eat a ketogenic diet, they may not have success. Um, so I think it's also being honest with um, your heritage and um, your genes even uh, to kind of take a look at how that's going. But I think a lot of the time the people that are having the most issue with keto say, you know, they do the organic acid test and everything says that they're fine and they could eat this way. Um, they're usually, you know, the women are eating very similar to what the husband is eating um, and they're usually eating way too much fat. Yeah. Um, they're usually fasting too much. They're usually eating just too much food or not enough food, or they're just trying to mirror their husband and, or their partner and they're not being successful with that. So, um, it's nice to kind of uh, align yourself with maybe a woman based community to kind of see how they're doing things. If, if you've hit a weight plateau, that's probably the number one thing that I deal with are weight plateaus on keto. It usually has to do with the types of food that people are eating and not their macros. That's a huge mistake I see over and over and over again of people that say, well, I've been hit, I've, I've been at the same weight for the last four weeks. I don't understand what's happening. So I'm just going to lower my carbs and increase my fat macros. And I'm like, stop, right. what are you eating on a daily basis? And they're like, 
conventionally raised meat, lots of like bacon stuff and mayo made of canola oil and all these other things. And, you know, after we adjust those things, they end up losing the weight. Um, so it's also looking at the types of food and the quality of the food and also being patient. If you have a lot of metabolic damage, it's going to take time. And by focusing on the food quality, um, it can be helpful. But I'll be the first to say that there are people where this eating style doesn't work for, just like vegan didn't work for any of us. <laughs> right, you know? totally true. Well, and, but, you know, and yeah, that, go ahead. I was just to say, I think that's the freedom too in your five metabolic profiles is like you said, some people are going to enter into one of the fat burner profiles without having done the first four, six, eight weeks of tight keto. And, and that's okay too. Some people will just do a lower glycemic approach and that's their way of being fat adapted. Yes, totally. And that's awesome. I think the main thing we're all going after is to just feel great yeah. and, you know, look great, feel great, have a, you know, excited mind and be able to think for ourselves. And uh, who's to say that increasing your carbs by like 30 grams a day is, is going to make you a bad human. <laughs> if you feel better at that amount, then live your truth. Like as long right. as you feel good, that's what we all want to do is feel good. So if you feel good, keep doing that thing that's making you feel good. For sure. So talking on types and quality of food, I had a rocket fuel latte this morning in your honor. <laughs> and um, I would like uh, if uh, for just a moment you can tell listeners about two or three uh, recipes in the keto diet book and, and why you love them or why we should eat them. <laughs> Oh gosh. See, I get asked this question so many times and every time I answer it, it's different. That's good. That's good. Um, okay, great. Okay. So right now the, the three recipes that I'm making the most and are in love with all over again, um, bacon fudge, which is basically, uh, you take bacon grease, which I seem to have a plethora of all of the time. And you basically mix, uh, I've been adding cacao butter to it. So the fat from chocolate, cacao powder. Um, I'm really digging monk fruit right now. So I've been adding that in there and you just put it into molds. I put them into little muffin tins cause I live full time in my RV and I have a muffin tin. That is it. So um, I pour that into the muffin tin and then freeze them and they make this like delicious fudge fatty. It's, it's so good. Um, and the second one is ranch dressing. Um, it's, uh, mayo based dressing. You can also make it with coconut milk. Um, and I just put it on all the things. <laughs> and then the third one is, um, these pork chops They're I think they're like herb, herb pork chops, herb crusted pork chops in the book. Um, and they're basically pork chops that I've covered in crushed up pork rinds and it's crispy, it's fatty, it's good. So Hi. those are the three. I dog-eared that last night when I was getting ready to interview. I was like, this one's going to be made this week. I grocery shopped for it, so we're happening. <laughs> nice. Awesome, awesome. Oh, my gosh. So many yummy recipes, and this book is just so dense with information. I mean, the first half of it is all about the mechanisms of keto and the actual foods and explaining good, better, best of fat. So I love that too, that it's not just a recipe book. There's a lot more density to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so just to wrap up, this is all making me hungry and it's just about <laughs> dinner time here. Um, we ask all of our guests, Leanne, um, for a 24 hour recall. So tell us what you had to eat yesterday from rise to rest. Oh, what day is it today? It's I know, Monday. it's Monday. Okay. This is the last question, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
what did we eat? Oh, yeah. Um, so we got a big shipment of ButcherBox. I don't know if you guys are familiar with yeah, ButcherBox. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So we have a ton of ground beef to get through. So yesterday I picked up some spaghetti squash and I cooked it in the Instant Pot and then I mashed it up with a ton of that, you know, that butter-flavored coconut oil? I love that butter-flavored coconut oil with the spaghetti squash. So I mixed that up with ground beef and I had that for lunch. Um, what did I have for breakfast? Oh, I did my um, Rockefeller latte, but because I don't have a blender right now, I've been making it with exogenous ketones, MCT oil powder, um, a little bit of monk fruit, and coffee. Is there anything else? Yeah, so that's what I had for breakfast. And then for lunch, I had the spaghetti squash. And, oh, <laughs> last night's dinner was kind of ridiculous. Um, pickles with <laughs> kimchi and what did I have on the side? And cucumbers. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> so that, that, that was the story of my life yesterday. It was kind of a weird day. But yeah, that's what I had. That sounds like a reverse of most of our days, Becky. We, we call it an adult yep. lunchable. Um, so that's how your dinner sounded like an adult lunchable. <laughs> just little peasy, snacky, those. crunchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I call them snack plates. And you just put a bunch of things on a plate. Yeah. And that's what you do. Awesome. Oh, I had a coconut butter packet with that too. And the kimchi with coconut butter does not mix, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Good. Well, thank you so much for being on. We will be sure to add your link to the book and Healthful Pursuit and all of the things in our show notes. Um, it was such a pleasure talking to you. And I hope that all of you listeners can definitely pull from this that there is not a one-stop shot. There are beyond five different metabolic profiles that you can use to use fat as fuel and that the biggest thing is being connected with your body and listening to what feels right. And that's the diet that you need for your body. And, and it's going to shift and fluctuate. And um, being kind to yourself is really a big piece of the puzzle too. Yes, I agree. Thanks so much for having me, you two. Thank awesome. you very much. It's our pleasure. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.